Are we ready for the word? Luke chapter 10, verse 30. It's going to be one scripture. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. So Jesus is here speaking. They, they have him, they're questioning him. And in verse 30, uh, he says this. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. I'd like to talk to you on the subject, you can get up. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, you can get up. You can get up. It doesn't matter what life has thrown at you. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter your struggle. It doesn't matter the proclivity that is present in your life right now. By the power of God, we're believing that you can get up. We're believing that there is a new day. There is new hope. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless your people. Bless your word. We thank you in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. As Jesus developed his ministry here on earth, he was very controversial because people were not used to hearing a man speak like this. Never had there been a man that spoke like that before, never has there been one after. So they became increasingly hostile towards him, and they, they were looking for ways to back him up into a corner to be able to see, to, to, to try to trip him up. That's basically what it came down to. They found his teachings contradicting to how they interpreted the law of Moses. They resented Jesus because he associated himself with whoever wanted to be with him. They, he associated himself with sinners. He was labeled a friend of sinners. I, I think that is so incredible that it, regardless of who they were, regardless of what they had done, regardless of what they had said, Jesus was still available and still was near. He hung out with everybody. He hung out with everybody. Isn't that awesome that, that he loves us just like that? That he loves us just like that. That last names don't mean anything to him. That our societal status does not mean anything to him. That our financial status does not mean anything to him. That our sins don't mean anything to him. That our mistakes, that, 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 that doesn't hinder him. That our failures don't hinder him. Jesus hung out with them all. That's awesome. In the end, they could not stand it any longer, so they began to plan a way to be able to get him and, and to try to contradict what, what the law had said. And one of the methods that they were using at this time uh, was to try to get him to make an incautious statement, uh, which they could use as evidence against him. If you'll remember the woman that was, that was caught in adultery, they brought her out. They, they threw her before Jesus, and they said, the law of Moses states that anyone that is caught in this should be stoned to death. Jesus never contradicted that word, but it's an incredible story that he just gets down on the ground, and he begins to write. And, and theologians have argued on what he wrote, but what really, we can never determine what in reality he wrote because it, it was not recorded in de, it was not recorded def, definitive 
in a definite manner. But what is awesome of that story is that while he did not contradict the law, he got down on the ground. And it's a great picture of when, when we're down, when we're at our lowest point, we serve a God that comes down to us. We serve a God that says, if you're on the ground, I'm on the ground with you. And we serve a God who comes down to us. So he didn't contradict the law at that time, but they're trying still. They're trying to see what they could do to be able to have some ammunition towards Jesus. So they bring up this, this lawyer. They bring up a lawyer, and then they try to get him. They try to question him, and there's nobody that can interrogate like a lawyer. Uh, and they said, teacher, he asked, what shall I do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? But the questioner wasn't as genuine as he made the question out to be. And Jesus caught on to this because he knew that it was a loaded question. And he was really just trying to trap Jesus into what he was going to say. Jesus was not going to fall for that. Instead, Jesus replies to him by his own terms by asking him a question. Isn't that awesome when you can answer a question with a question? What is written in the law, Jesus asks this man. In other words, how do you read it? How do you interpret it? And when this lawyer was asked this particular question, he must have felt confident because he was an expert in the law, considering his profession. He had no hesitation in replying with quotations from Deuteronomy, from Leviticus, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. He, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So here you have this lawyer telling Jesus what he already knows. He quotes that. And then this was part of a confession that was a regular part of the Jewish tradition. The apostle Paul quotes Moses by, in saying this in Romans 10, 15, the man who does these things will live by them, will live by them. The trouble is that no one ever succeeds in, in doing so. Jesus heard the reply from the scripture with approval. And he said, Excellent. You have answered correctly. Jesus said, do this and you will live. This tells us that Jesus didn't deny the moral demands of the Old Testament. He was not putting it aside, but no, he understood that the ceremonial and the sacrificial systems that were in place were soon to be, were soon to fade away with the fulfillment of Christ and his sacrifice. But the moral law stands, okay, the moral law stands as God's standard for all time. And the wording of this question reveals that it is to the spiritual state. What should I do? Remember the original question that was asked, what should I do to inherit eternal life? But didn't the lawyer see the contradiction in the question that he's asking? Because you don't inherit something by doing something. You inherit something because of who you are. You inherit something because of who you are or because of who your parents are. Because of what they have, you inherit that. An inheritance is something that you receive because you had a relationship with someone. It's not something that you achieve by a certain action, by a certain task, by doing this and by doing that. So by using the words that the lawyer showed, his muddled thinking that he was not clear on 
how it, it, it could be to receive eternal life. So like many people in the world that we live in today, well-meaning and, and decent living people, this man thought that eternal life is something that could be purchased, something that could be bought. And, and in, eternal life isn't a matter of what I must do for God, but rather it is what God has done for me. I'll say that one more time. Eternal life is not a matter of what I can do for him, but it's what he has already done for me. And verse 29 says, but he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to find a way. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because you remember, he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Who is my neighbor? He's trying to find out who do I really have to love just to get by? Who do I have to treat well just to get by? I want to do the bare minimum, Jesus, just to be able to say that I have fulfilled what the scripture says. Who is my neighbor? Who do I have to show this kind of love to? And then Jesus begins with this incredible parable that we find ourselves today. And he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. A man was going down. He answers with the parable what we know, something that has spiritual meaning besides what the point that Jesus was trying to illustrate. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He tells this parable. A man, we don't know his name. We don't know his race. We don't know anything about him. All that we know is that he was a man it could be any man. It could be any man at any given point, at any time of life. A man that is just trying to get from one place in life to another. A man that is going, that is starting at point A and needs to get to point B. And what I understand from, 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 under, from researching the, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, Jerusalem sits up on a mountain, Jericho is down, and the road that leads to Jericho is windy, it's dangerous, it's easy for someone to hide out, it's easy for someone to be able to easily disguise themselves behind this windy, dangerous path that they could easily surprise someone, they could easily surprise someone as they're coming down uh, this particular road. It has deep dips, deep dips, and it's ideal. It's ideal for cover. It's ideal. If you wanted to play hide and seek, this was a perfect place for you to be. And on this dangerous road, life takes an unexpected turn for this man. This man did not wake up in the morning saying, today I'm going to go down to Jericho and I'm going to be mugged. This man did not wake up that morning saying, today something tragic is going to happen to me. Today I'm going to cry like I've never cried before. Today I'm going to be in tears like I've never been before. This man did not wake up with this mindset. And, and so is life with, with some of us today. That, that we, didn't, we don't wake up in the morning expecting to confront what we're going to confront. And all of a sudden we find ourselves facing something that we didn't have to face before. And we find ourselves in a fallen state. We find ourselves in a fallen state. I'll, I'll, I'll share a, a funny story from me um, th to illustrate this point. I, I was young. Er, um, and I, was, I went to the cleaners. I'll never forget. I took, I, I had a bunch of clothes Got it from the back seat of my car. I, I, 
I thought I was strong at that point. And, and all of a sudden, I find myself with this clothes in my hands. And I'm on a busy highway there in Harlingen, Texas. And, and all of a sudden, I take a wrong step. I take a wrong step, and, and I'm trying to catch myself because my pride is about to take some, uh, it's just about to be hit and more than anything. And that, that is the only thing at the end of the day that really hurt. Um, but I, all of a sudden, I remember I'm trying to catch myself, uh, but I was unsuccessful. The clothes goes flying up. It, it was quite a dramatic scene that so much that someone driving even honked at me because it's just saying, hey, I saw that. Um, I fell down. I did not wake up that morning saying, man, when I get to the cleaners, I'm going to take a wrong step. I'm going to fall. But it just happened. It just happened. And I realized that that is on a, on a level that is very superficial compared to what some of us are facing here today. But, but I did not wake up planning saying, man, I'm going to fall right during rush hour traffic and I'm going to let everybody see me go down. But when I fell... I had a decision. I had to say to myself, am I going to stay down or am I going to get back up again? I, I, I obviously made the choice to get back up again. And, and that is the choice that some of us have to make today. And I know that it's easier said than done considering the, the tumultuous time that you're facing, the, the hard time that you're facing, the trial that you're facing. This man was just trying to get from one place to another, and all of a sudden he finds himself beaten, battered, and the Bible says that he was half dead. All of a sudden some robbers just came out, out of nowhere. They attacked him, they mugged him, they beat him, and they left him there. I, I'm glad that the Bible tells us, it reminds us that, that we do we do have an enemy. The thief has come to seek, to kill, and, and to destroy. The thief has come for that. There is a difference between a thief and a robber. The Bible, the, the, uh, the Bible lets us know that it, he is referred to as a thief that comes. The, the robbers attacked this particular man. They left him there. And maybe that's how life has, the card that life has dealt you this morning, that you feel like all hope is gone, that you feel like everything is closing in on you. Life took an unexpected turn, and he is now dealing with the suffering of his injuries, the loss. It just happened. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, what once was is no longer. The strength that he once had is not there anymore. And maybe that's you. The, what once was, what once was is no longer there. The faith that you once had, the desire to praise God that you once had, the relationship that you once had, the, the career that you once had, you find yourself in a situation that is much different than how you started. And you've thought to yourself, what am I doing in this situation? I should be further along. And you find yourself dealing with this that has just drained you. It's drained you. It's zapped your strength. And unfortunately for this man, he was left for dead by the roadside, stripped of all his possessions. On this windy road, he finds himself beaten and battered, thinking, I, I never thought I'd have to deal with this. I never thought I'd have to go through this. But here we find ourselves on a dark road with no hope. And it almost seems 
that we can see our future slipping through our hands. And you ask the question, will I ever be better? Will I ever get out of this? But I'm glad the Bible notes that he was left half dead. Because I understand that if I'm half dead, I'm still half alive. If I'm half dead, I'm still half alive. The, the glass may, may be half empty to you, but I see the glass half full. I, I have to stop focusing on, on the, the negative and focus on what I do have as long as I'm breathing. Amen. As long as that there is breath in my lungs, as long as there is ability and mobility in my body, I have an opportunity to be able to get better in Jesus' name. I have an opportunity to experience the hope that only comes from him. You may be in a situation that has you half dead, but can, but can I remind you that you're half alive. You're half alive and, and that you may be down and out, but I'm not going to count you out just yet. You have to know that the God that we serve, amen, the God that we serve is able, is able. And if we keep on reading, it seems that there is light at the end of this road, at the end of the tunnel. It seems that there is hope because this man, I can imagine, says, I see someone coming. I see someone coming down the road. Who is that? I see him. And all of a sudden, we understand through the story that it is a priest. And I know that he's going to stop. I know that he's going to stop and help me. Can you imagine what was going through the mind of this man as he is there on the floor? I know he's going to stop. And all of a sudden, he keeps on going. He keeps on going. But not all hope is gone. Not all hope is gone. I see someone else. I see someone else coming behind him. And the Bible lets us know that it's a Levite. The parable lets us know that it's a Levite. So I'm sure that if the priest didn't stop, this, this Levite is going to make some time to be able to come and help me, to be able to come and offer me some assistance in my darkest hour. Because if the priest didn't stop, I'm sure the Levite will. But the Levite ignored the victim once again and keeps on walking. Can I just tell you for a few moments, what do we do when people that we're counting on keep on walking? What do we do when people that we are expecting to always be there for us don't show up? And we ask ourselves the question, I thought he would always be here. I thought that she would never leave. I was counting on them. They said that I could call and, and they would answer. They said that I could send them a text message and, and that they would respond and they'd drop everything. But when I needed you the most, when I need you the most, you're nowhere to be found. You seem to have lost your way. You seem to not be available. You seem to not be accessible. What do you do when people walk out on you when they said that they'd always be there? What do you do when people walk out on you when, they, when, when you need them the most? I really thought you'd be here. I had planned on it. I knew that you were going to be the person that would come, but it didn't happen. And you say, here I am hurting and I need you. And here I I am hurting and I'm looking for you. And here I am hurting and I was counting.
counting on you. And it is in those darkest moments that when people walk out, that somebody walks in. And when we realize that, he, that it is him, he, we realize that he is all that we need. And you are, you find yourself broken. You find yourself hurting. You find yourself frustrated. You find yourself depressed. You find yourself annoyed. You get annoyed with situations that never used to annoy you. But now you seem, there seems to be a different response in you because of what you have faced and because of what you have experienced. So here I am on the ground. And I need you the most. But wait. Even though they failed me. There's somebody else. There's somebody else that I can see coming. There's somebody else that I can see coming. Could it, could it really be? Are my eyes deceiving me? Or will this be like the other two circumstances? Because let's be honest. We frame our lives based off of what we've experienced. Because they did that to me automatically that is my frame of reference for what you're going to do to me. I have to believe that because two people walked by, it would not be far-fetched for this person to see, to say, this third person's going to walk by me also. Could it be? Could it be? And I can imagine some hope arising in him. I could imagine him saying someone else is coming. When everyone turned on us and when people were counting us out, when, when they were nowhere to be found, the Bible d- 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 depicts to us that there is this man. We don't, know, we don't know anything of him, but that he is just noted as the good Samaritan in this parable. But when I see my life and when I see your life and when I see the situation, Situations and the circumstances that we find ourselves, I can make the connection on who this person is. I can make the connection to a God who is more than enough. I can make the connection to a God who sees me at my weakest point, that when I am weak, he is strong, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So here he comes, walking down 40 and two generations from a messed up bloodline that had all kinds of mistakes, failures, ostracized people. But here comes my Jesus. And he said, I saw you when you were on the floor. I saw you when you were on the ground. I saw you when, when, when you were crying your tears. I saw you when you were frustrated. I saw you when you were lonely. I saw you when you thought that everybody was out to get you. I saw you in your vulnerable state. I saw you in your weakness and I saw you in, in your state of annoyance and frustration and I, and I could not stay I could not say but the Bible says that, that he came down to us that, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the Bible tells us and the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten son full of grace and truth I, I'm grateful for a God who saw us in our fallen state and what the priest couldn't do through the ceremonial process and what the Levite couldn't do through the ceremonial process. Jesus said, I'll come down to you and I see you battered. I see you beaten. I see you hurting. But I love you. I'm grateful for a God who came down. He came down. 
he came down, he saw us shattered. He saw us without hope, beaten by sin and by the troubles of this life. And he came down and he picked us up and he turned us around. He placed our feet on solid ground that while we do live in a suffering world, that there are people everywhere who are wounded, who are hurting, that some have been robbed by parental failures, that others have been left half dead as a result of their own mistakes. Some have been damaged by by false teaching or let down by so-called Christians, there is a God who came down for us to make it right. What, what, what the priest couldn't do and what the law couldn't do, Jesus said, here I come, I come for you. There's a God who came down for you that, that we understand through the story, the Good Samaritan, that the legs of mercy were what led him to the wounded, that the eyes of understanding saw the pain and saw the hurt, that the heart of love was moved by compassion, that there was such a compelling power in the Samaritan's heart that he couldn't just keep on walking, that he couldn't just leave him there utterly destroyed. No, but he had to do something. The love of God breaks down the barriers that have been present in your life and in my life. It was the caring hands that bandaged the wounds and that poured oil on him. And maybe the priest and the Levite were too busy, but Jesus, but Jesus, I'm glad he stepped in the picture. I'm glad he stepped in the... Aren't you glad that he showed up when he showed up for you? I'm glad that he loved when I was unlovable. I'm glad that he forgave when I was unforgivable. I'm glad that he cared when I didn't even care about myself. I'm glad that he cared when we were making poor choices and doing things that could have ultimately destroyed us and killed us. I'm glad that he cared enough about us that, that he didn't let go of us, that we made it not because we found him, that, but that we made it because he found us. He found us. He picked this man. He took him to the inn. He took him to the hotel. He placed him in a safe place. And I'm glad that the Bible reminds us that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm glad that he has put us in a safe place. I'm glad that Isaiah reminds us that he is a, a hiding place, that he will hide us in the storm, that while it's all uh, breaking loose in our lives, that there is a place in him that we can hide. I'm glad that David said that before my heart faints, lead me to the rock that is higher than me. There is a safe place that can only be found in the loving arms of Jesus. Jesus. I wanted to remind you this morning that while life may have knocked you down and you, while you may say this is unfair that I'm having to deal with this I come to remind you of a God that can get you back up again I'm glad that the Bible reminds us that the righteous falls seven times, but seven times he gets back up again. You can get up. You can get up because of who he is. And sometimes it's a waiting game. And 
that is something we deal with that we can't. We grow so impatient, but the Bible reminds us that even the youth grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, will renew their strengths. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow tired. They will walk and not be faint. You just got to wait on him. So as the worship team comes up, he cared. He cared when caring was expensive. You ask how expensive it was, it required him to die on a cross. He cared that much for you. That while our guilt was enormous, and that while our shame was too much to bear on the cross, he took on himself all our liabilities. All our transgressions, all our failures. And on that cross, he paid it in full. And because of this great act, as Jesus is wrapping up, we, you and I, can do the same. Because as Jesus wraps up, he says, you go. After he drives home the point of this, this man that came out of nowhere and picks this person up from the ground. The lawyer makes this connection. He goes, I understand what you're saying. Who is my neighbor? It's anyone. It's anyone that I come in contact with. It's anyone that I come in contact with that needs Jesus. That my life could be a reflection of his love. That my actions, that people could see Christ's love through my smile. Jesus said to him, after they made the connection and they got the picture, he said, you go and you do likewise. You do like, you do the same. We've been called as a church to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world. It's not always popular. It's not always convenient. It's not always the best and the easiest task to follow the example of this good Samaritan, but it is the right way because he loved us. We can love because he loved us, we can love. Because he forgave us, we can forgive. Because he cared for us, we can care. It is possible. You go, he said, and you do likewise. You do the same. But you ask, but what about me? What about what I'm facing? What about what I am going through? You want to get to that point, but at this point in life where you find yourself, you find yourself emotionally, mentally tired. 
drained by what you have been going through. And sometimes the truth is that we feel more like this man that is beaten than the good Samaritan. Can we just be real for a moment? That sometimes we feel hurt with questions that keep coming to mind and saying, why? God wants to heal. God wants to heal the hurt. God wants to heal the hurt. God wants to restore to you the joy of his salvation. Right now in this place, I want to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. Right where you're at in life right now, wherever you find yourself, God sees you. There is no place he will not go. There is no place that he will not extend his love. There is no place that he will not extend his arm to you and say, I'll, I'll get you out of this. I'll get you out of this. Father, right now, right now, God, I pray for everyone in this place that is hurting, that is tired, that feels as if all hope is gone. Right now, God, I declare your power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead to raise us from dead circumstances and to raise us from dead hopes and dead dreams and right now God that your love would reach us at whatever point in life that we find ourselves that your strength would be made perfect in weakness that you would come and do what only you can do Jesus name with every eye closed if you in this place would like to make a first time decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior you've heard of him you've thought about it but you've never taken that step you have an incredible opportunity right now to say yes to him to say God I'm tired of trying to do it on my own I, I accept you as Lord of my life I accept you as Lord of my life right where you're at I want to invite you with every eye closed every head bowed I want to invite you to just raise your hand if that is you if you'd like to make that decision this morning if you'd like to make that decision, yes. I want to invite everyone to, to pray with me. We believe in praying together and in community and doing life together. 
So, pray with me, Lord, I admit, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. And I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're going to enter into a moment of worship. And if you feel God tugging at your heart, and if you feel to come to this altar, I'm going to invite you, everyone, to stand. I'm going to invite you at this moment to come. If you feel we'd love the opportunity to pray for you, we'd love the opportunity to stand in agreement with you and just say, we're going to believe God's very best over what you're doing. Sometimes, I, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, coming together and being in agreement with someone that can pray with you, that can stand in the gap, that can believe with you, that he can do it. I want to invite you to come right now. I want to invite you to come, and if not right where you're at, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. We're going to go into a moment of worship. The Bible says that he abides in the praises of his people. We're going to believe God right now that because he is here, because we praise him, that he can do the impossible in your life. He can work out what you haven't been able to work out. He can heal what the doctors haven't been able to figure out. He can come up with a solution that your financial advisor hasn't been able to figure out. He can do what no one else can do. He can do anything because he is God. So right now, I'm going to invite you in this moment. Father, we thank you. Once again, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are the God. You are the God of the impossible. We thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. We thank you that you can work through my situation. We thank you that you can work through the personal details of what I am facing right now. God, I thank you that you can work through my hurt. I thank you that you can work through my sickness. I thank you that you can work through that obstacle that I am facing right now, right now that is trying to destroy the purpose that, that is only found in you. Right now, God, I declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I declare, God, that you are with us in every moment, in every season right now. I declare, God, that right now from in this auditorium that your presence, God, would change, would transform, would restore, would lift up right now in Jesus' name. Come on, Impact City Church, let's worship him right where you're at. Come on, let's worship him. Let's believe him right now that he is going to do, that he is going to do the impossible. Let's believe that while I'm still breathing there is hope uh, that while I am still facing trouble that that there is a purpose in what I am going through right now in Jesus name